Day two at F3. I'm Dooner, and that's the dude, Michael Vincent. Hey, man, I'm ready to truck it. Great content, great network. I'm having great. What's on your mind this afternoon, my well, friend? Well, I couldn't help but see the crush right there. So, yeah. is, is the leg feeling any better? Uh, slowly but surely, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's only been a few days, but we'll see. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be the good shepherd here, Ringo. Are you guys awake out there? <laughs> I know you just had lunch. We just had some lunch from Stir, yeah. too. Got to get the metabolism going. And I'm excited because I got my tracking. I got my tracking for uh, that oh. Lego Titanic. It's showing up at the Dungeon of Dooner tomorrow. Nice. We'll get the nice. builds on that. And, uh, nice. Maybe, uh, maybe we even have someone who picked up the naming rights on that. We'll I find think out. you should. We'll I think you should out. sell the naming rights. It's over in uh, Romeoville, Illinois oh. right now. All right. It's getting closer and closer, <laughs> baby. All right. All right. Hey, oh, one other thing. So Alex in the back, right? Before we yeah. get into stuff here. She was telling oh, us Alex right in the back. we that came Alex. off, Alex in the back, she said that there's going to be a big Christmas tree Shortage. So not only you will you not get Christmas presents, you won't have a tree to put them under. And this this company right here, Arrow Arrowhead Acres in Uxbridge, Massachusetts, says there's panic buying going on right now, like the toilet paper situation. People are like buying tons of Christmas trees and putting them in their house. Apparently, according to this guy. What like live already? I don't what know. Do, what would you do with a bunch of Christmas trees? A bunch of live ones I right now? I don't know what I would do with them. I, right now. I don't know if I believe that, man. Uh, hey, let's tip the band. Let's get down to business. We want to thank our show sponsor today, Daimler Trucks North America, who in collaboration with Platform Science today announced the launch of Virtual Vehicle, an OEM platform that will transform the industry. Find out more at Daimler-TrucksNorthAmerica.com. Now let's talk to Hero of ours, a man who moves America. It's Daryl Feller. He's an owner-operator at DF Dedicated Fleet. Sir, thank you for joining us on the show today. All right. Hey, we got him. We got him. You here, Daryl? Oh, yeah. I think we just got a little bit of a delay. All right. Well, hey, Daryl. Uh, audio working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we got, got you now, now. Daryl. We got you now. You're sounding good. So, Daryl, tell us a little bit about yourself. You out there on the road right now? No, I'm home here today here just doing some maintenance and stuff like that, Daryl. Gotcha. So, hey, Daryl, let me know. How long have you been in, in this business? Uh, I've been driving for over 25 years and stuff here. Um, I just started in the owner operator probably maybe about six years ago. Nice. Well, how's the road treating you? Because you got to see uh, you got to see the road pre-pandemic, then you got to drive through the pandemic when everyone was like, "Thank a trucker," and then truckers were sort of forgotten about again. And uh, now all you see is articles in the news blaming truck drivers for there being shortages. So, what, what what's this journey been like? Well, I was appreciated there uh, with a lot of the loads that I did there. Um, I noticed that was something different there. I'd arrive earlier and people would unload me here. They were just happy to get the stuff. Um, it's going back to the, probably the regular ways again there and stuff here. But uh, it's, it's, it's on and off and stuff, just the way things go. So, you know, Daryl, we throw around this term uh, deadheading or empty miles and stuff like that. And I have for years. I've been in the business for 34 years. And people talk about, well, just deadhead over here real quick and grab this load or whatever it happens to be. How important are those empty miles to you running that business as an owner-operator? Well, I try to eliminate as much as I can. Uh, the empty miles, we try to piece together loads and stuff there to try to get the uh, the most out of what I can on there. Um, Convoy allows me to do a lot there. They're a little bit easier to work with them there because of their uh, way they're set up with their requested stuff. When I, when I book a load there, when I'm delivering at a certain location, 
I get on the request there. I start booking and trying to get other loads to come back. And apparently they took notice to that there. Um, uh, we got the award and stuff for like one of their top carriers for trying to reduce the empty miles as much as we did. Um, just like I said, it's the tools that Convoy offers and stuff here. It allows me to keep uh, running the most loaded miles. And I'm real appreciative of that there. Well, you know what? I mean, there's there's multiple benefits to to that too. Not only are you not wasting money on fuel yeah. with those costs rising, not only you're wasting your own time, you're only you're only getting paid when the wheels are moving and you're pulling freight. But there's also an environmental aspect, isn't sure. there? Like everyone's looking for solutions through sort of deep tech and all those kind of things. But we work in a business that is incredibly inefficient, and there are many ways to solve that. And I believe Convoy has some tools that you've been using as well. Yeah, like I said, when I booked the loads. Uh they allow me to piece together and try to get the most out of the, uh, the miles that I drive. Um, our trucks are DEF uh, certified there. We have APU units there. We don't need to idle the trucks when we're sitting, waiting to get unloaded or loaded. Um, there's a lot that the that drivers can actually do or owner operators and stuff here to make sure that they're getting the most out of their mileage and the most out of their fuel economy, everything like that there. So uh, you, 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 this year, you guys were you recognized for the most saves. Let me read this right. The most saves in Convoy's National Truck Driver Appreciation Week campaign. How did you qualify for that for that title? What is a save? What, is, what does that mean? Like I said before, we try to piece together. When we do uh, loads out, we try to find something that's uh, coming back. It's, uh, that's a loaded miles. And sometimes uh, we have to piece together several loads to make it work here but convoy with their uh with their request part of their uh, loads there they've enabled us to actually be able to do the most with the mileage i'm real appreciative i, I talk real high of convoy but they've really been beneficial from all the other uh brokers and stuff that i've dealt with they're probably the best air that i've dealt with to piece together loads and make everything well, really cool, Daryl. Thank you uh, so much for sharing. We appreciate you coming on the show today. And yeah. us how you appreciate that. Uh, good to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's move on then. Let's talk about, let's talk to, all right, this company right here, ArcBest. They've had a, they've had a pretty big month or two, haven't they? What, who, these That's guys? Funny. Yeah. ArcBest, these guys over here, pretty these big guys, month, haven't did they? they? Did they make months? Let's mugs? talk to Dennis Anderson. He's oh. chief customer <laughs> officer over at ArcBest. He's we also, oh, Dennis, so you're going to be excited about this. So I was just talking to David Dabrowski over at University of Arkansas. You may be familiar. I, I believe that you yourself went there. December 10th, December 10th on What the Truck, we're going to have a big call, the Hogs Fest. He's going to have the students on. He's coming on. Uh, Shelly Simpson might be there. You know, the whole team. But we need some ArcBest representation. So you want to call the Hogs for us right now? I can call the Hogs for you. Absolutely. Do it. Do Do it. it. So, woo. Pig, silly, crazy bats. <laughs> I, I love it. I go. love it, man. Well, you want to talk about something interesting today, and it's capacity networks, right? The unsung heroes of the industry. Set the table for us. What's that all about? Absolutely. Well, and, and first of all, I feel a little bit sheepish having heroes in the title, especially after we just talked to Daryl. And then tomorrow is Veterans Day, and, and just want to give a shout out to all the veterans out there. Um, and, and, you know, just we appreciate you, and especially the veterans that are in our industry and how much we appreciate uh, their service and 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 then what they're doing for us in the supply chain every day, uh, but just you know first start a little bit talking about you know Art Best where where you talked about we've we've had a pretty good uh, few few weeks here, but that that's been a multi year build uh, because we're now a multi billion dollar integrated logistics company 
And we really help keep that supply chain moving. So we leverage our full suite of shipping and logistics solutions to meet our customers' critical supply chain needs. And we find a way to get a job, get the job done no matter what. And that's really important right now uh, with the supply chain challenges that, that, are, that are, you mentioned that people are facing. Um, you talked about Christmas trees uh, shortages potential. That, that's very interesting to hear about. Uh, that's, that's a new one, but it's a new challenge. Uh, but there are real challenges right now with, with bottlenecks, you know, across transportation networks, particularly globally, um, which is really impacting a supply chain manager's ability to keep goods flowing toward the customer and, and their end consumer ultimately. And, and so really what allows you to move around those bottlenecks is having capacity, uh, maybe even across different modes. And that's really critical uh, for logistics providers to be able to help their customers quickly adapt and meet demand. That, that really isn't new. Uh, what's new is the, the volume uh, and, and the, uh, the, the extreme nature of some of the challenges that, that shippers are facing right now. And it just seems that new ones are rising constantly on a daily or weekly basis. But ultimately, you know, where, where our network stands apart and really helps customers with that is, is in allowing them uh, the, the availability to switch modes, as we talked about, uh, to available capacity in whatever mode that we have um, without switching service providers. And so that really simplifies their experience and provides them some, some flexibility. So with hundreds of capacity experts across our business, uh, we always find a way. Like I said, no matter what the environment may be that, that we're facing and, and our team's tracking the trends and, and communicating in real time with each other to find the solutions that help us evolve and then future proof against current and, and, and or new supply chain challenges. But that capacity is really at the, at the center of being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys just uh, um, acquired Molo Solutions, a great, great, great company up there. Uh, and, and so you've guys got that added now. That expands your your capacity network to like by like seventy thousand. I think by seventy thousand. Yeah. I think units is what it does. Um, how does this fit in and help your customers grow as well? Absolutely. Well, first we're really excited to, to welcome the Molo team to our best, and we're thrilled to close the deal uh, as of last week. Uh, and, and, you know, as we evaluated Molo and worked through the deal, uh, we really realized how, how the true relationship and synergies between Molo and ArcVest and, and how together we're able to provide an even better experience for our customers and their customers and to accelerate our growth ultimately together. Um, and, and one of the things that we, we think about there and that became readily apparent is the trust that their customers have in them mm-hmm. uh, to provide that capacity. And, and you know, we've, we've prided our, our own selves in building trust and having relationships that are built on trust. And to see that work through their organization is, is really impressive, especially uh, to, to see the growth that they've had in the, in the last few years. And so that trust is because of their customer obsession, which is something that that we pride ourselves on as well. And so the fit there was really, really great. And then if you think about what they're able to bring to the table from a capacity perspective, I mean, right now we talk about it, capacity is king. If it can be sourced, it'll likely be filled. And, and therefore our strategic investments in capacity are critical. So in the short term, uh, you mentioned that it doubles our capacity in terms of uh, our, our capacity providers uh, between the two organizations to the organizations, it, it's it's on the net close to 70,000, over 70,000, I believe now. Um, but in the end, they want their freight, our customers want their freight 
in the right place when they need it. And that capacity really helps get it there. The other thing that Molo brings to the table is not just that capacity base isn't static. So they have a unique strength in their ability to source capacity. So it adds our existing capabilities in that area to grow that capacity base even further going forward. Um, and then outside of capacity, we're also really excited about uh, their ability to help us serve large customers. Uh, truckload is obviously a, a very large uh, piece of most customers' transportation spend. Um, it, it's the largest in, in terms of U.S. domestic transportation spend. That market is the largest in truckload. And so having their capabilities in that allows us to grow with larger customers. It also uh, puts us in, in a pretty large presence in Chicago which is obviously a hub of the brokerage industry. And, and we have connections to innovation activity that's going on there, um, you know, and just provides more opportunities to, to capitalize on, on disruptive strategies and technologies as well. So together, we're really in a great position uh, of strength for the long term. And the other great thing, in addition to Molo, uh, is that we have the resources not only to make an investment in that, but we've also talked about how we're investing in our uh, our asset-based LTL network as well. So adding uh, to those asset-like capacity resources, we also have the assets uh, in that LTL network and, and investing our people, equipment, real estate there. All of this should benefit our customers as we as we look ahead. Yeah, I mean, capacity is king, especially in a market like this. And and uh, I understand the growth. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, Andrew Silver over there at Molo, too. I actually did a Freightways Insiders. Uh, he's a great guy. We did. We talked Absolutely. about mental health in uh, supply oh, yeah. chain. He's one of the people brave enough to to tackle those type of topics. But other than capacity, uh, what other customer needs, aside from, I mean, panic buying Christmas trees and hoarding them, what other kind of needs have arisen during the shipping crisis? Well, I think it's it's really, you know, first of all, our, our focus is every day on helping customers manage their supply chains. So uh, we, we see a lot of these needs that have arisen over the last few months. Uh, but, you know, when we, when we think about finding a way for them, uh, one of the things that's really uh, been important over the last several months is the technology that we've invested in um, and we're continuing to invest in. We, we invest uh, roughly $100 million each year in technology and innovation, uh, with more than half of that spent on transform transformative and, and strategic initiatives and projects, um, which is great because we, we don't have to allocate as much uh, percentage of that toward run the business. We do that efficiently uh, in, in terms of technology, but we're able to, to invest in transforming our business, which allows uh, greater access for our customers across those capacity sources that we bring to the table. And so one of the things that, that's really important about our strategy is I talked about all those capacity resources that we bring to the table, the multi-modes that we bring to the table, but all of that really uh, works much better in our, from our perspective when it's integrated. So ensuring that integration across our business, which actually our technology investments have helped with that as well. Um, so ensuring that integration allows customers to really look ahead strategically across all those mode options, but then also to, uh, to, to move in a, in a transactional environment or in a shipment itself as tactically as that uh, to move across modes when the needs change. So being able to, to help them uh, get ahead of those issues through either technology, but also, um, you know, from being a more seamless provider, uh, that, that just really helps our, our customers get ahead. And, and part of that's just being agile, being flexible. Uh, and, and there's no crystal ball in this in this uh, industry. And so 
it, it, so being agile will continue to be crucial as we move ahead from the end of this year and into 2022, especially, and then being trusted advisors. I mean, I think that's, that goes without saying so at the Dennis, end of the day, we, we want to build trust. Dennis, you said there's no crystal ball, but we got about a minute left and I'm going to tell you to look into your non-existent yes. crystal ball and tell us what to prepare for in 2022. So lightning round, we got about one minute here. Should we, should we prepare for pain? What is it? Well, uh, I don't see a, a much of a let up in, in any time soon. I think just looking at the demand and capacity dynamic, uh, most of most industry experts are, are calling for uh, the situation that we're in to last for a while into 2022. So I, I just think that's that's super important that our, our customers are thinking ahead, planning ahead. Uh, and staying agile, and, and 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 I think that that's the that's the name of the game in an environment where you get this much disruption. All right, I'll let you off the hook with that one because you called the hogs to start it off with. <laughs> awesome, yeah, Dennis. Awesome. We, pre- we appreciate your time today. Go check out Arc Best, and uh, thanks for the mugs. They look great on the table. They my jacket. Those are black. They do look black. great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, Good take it easy. Take it easy, Dennis. Now, <laughs> our you. next guest, Trey Griggs, he is known for some of the most unique appearances on this show. Yeah. He's the VP of sales at Lean Solutions Group, and he had a guest before him call the hog, so there's no telling what Trey will do to raise the bar here. So all we can do is bring him on and find out. Trey, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great, but I don't know that I can, uh, I can match that. I will say this about Dennis. Not only do they have the best mugs, but his haircut was phenomenal. I, mean, I don't <laughs> I know if you saw it or not, but he's got a great – it was, it was perfect. It was on he walked point. in and it said, was, give me to Trey Griggs. It was on point. Well, Trey, you know, <laughs> trends in the labor market, hiring in 2022. We're, we're, look, I don't care what house you work in. Everybody's seen people come in and out the door at a very rapid pace this yeah. year. The great resignation is no joke, right? It's almost mm-hmm. like, do, do you even bother yeah. meeting anyone anymore? Because they're in and out just as quick. What is going on? Is 2022, are people going to settle into jobs finally? Or is this going to keep going on next year? I think it's going to keep going on for a while. You know, I think that, you know, it's, it's almost like a bell curve. You know, you have those early adopters that kind of got in on, on the great resignation and started to become a thing. And I think it's going to continue for a while because people are starting to have more flexibility. Uh, remote work is here to stay. A re- recent Gartner study said that, you know, almost, almost half of the workforce will be working remotely for part of their job, if not all of it, uh, moving forward. And so I think some of these, these, these things, these trends are causing people to say, wait a minute, maybe I could go somewhere else or get a better opportunity. And it's opened up a lot of doors. I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon. I'd be surprised if it slowed down in 2022. Really? Yeah. People are going out there. They're testing their worth. They're definitely doing it. The revolving door is wide and wide open. But uh, hey, Trey, let's talk about your uh, recent partnership with TextLocate. I know the I know the Silver Fox quite well. Can you yeah. talk about that a little bit? <laughs> Not only does he have a great clothing line, which if you don't know about that, you should ask him about that. Oh, yeah. uh, but the, the service TextLocate is, a, is just a really phenomenal, simple service that makes track and trace just even more efficient with, uh, you know, the we have a lot of people uh, in Colombia with our, our clients that are doing track and trace. It just makes them more efficient, puts a little bit more control back in the driver's hands. And um, it's just a great service. So we're very excited about that partnership and rolling that out. We have several customers that are are taking advantage of that and, and they're starting to make some, some headway. And Ryan's just one of the best guys in the industry. So I couldn't ask for a better partner. Big challenging thing going on. Um, you know, America's a very divided place, especially on vaccines. And now, much like we do with our healthcare, for some reason, we think it's a good idea to tie these things in with jobs and with employment, which, you know, that's, we don't necessarily need to debate how good or bad that is for society, but it is a reality of what's going on, right? They're trying to push through this vaccine yeah. mandate, especially in trucking. Most immediately, trucking's concerned because a lot of drivers, they lean a certain way and they, they don't tend to want to be told to go get a mandate. 
We've ducked that for the moment, but what kind of havoc could this vaccine mandate be playing on things, Trey? Well, we've already seen that with the drivers. You know, it's kind of a big game of chicken of who's going to blink first. And, you know, we see that the government made some um, exceptions for drivers, which I think was was probably really well well founded, considering the drivers are oftentimes isolated by themselves and, and, uh, and not coming in contact with a lot of people. So I thought that was important. But it's interesting because I think that when push comes to shove, um, people, you know, are probably more likely to get the vaccine uh, as opposed to like losing a paycheck. Um, I think that that'll probably end up happening, but I don't know if, I don't know about the legal ramifications of it all, but I have a feeling that's probably going to happen. I know a lot of people that have already gotten the vaccine that were against it at first or, or kind of maybe not sure because of a job, because of wanting to travel. Uh, you know, a lot of countries are, are, are requiring it for travel either you know from or to the United States. Uh, for vacation type stuff, like going on a cruise and things like that. I think when push comes to shove, uh, people, I mean, these vaccine kind of mandates or requirements, whatever you call them, will probably end up working to get more people vaccinated. But I do think that there's going to be exceptions. And we'll just have to see how it all, all kind of comes down. I don't know how strong people's principle really is, if they care more about principle or more about their paycheck. So we'll find out about that. But I just know a lot of people are starting to go, you know what, uh, I really want to go on this cruise. I really want to travel this summer coming up in 2022 that I can get to do in 2021. Okay, I'll do it. Whatever. Uh, I think that I think that might happen. It might, but there's also you know the work from home issue that's going on, right? Uh, you, mm-hmm. we talk about the great resignation, but you know some people are they want to keep working from home. Sure. Does the does the vaccine oh, mandate push that forward too? I mean that that gives employers uh, and bo- really both sides an excuse really to to keep it keep it rolling a little bit, does it not? It does. I I, I do. I think I think these circumstances are again. It's kind of that that playing a game, big game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? You know, our our company is going to. Uh, start requiring it and just say we're just going to comply or are they going to push back a little bit and the government's going to have to say, okay, do we do we want a strong economy and the people working from home get an exception or what they're going to do about it? I don't know. It's all about the numbers and it's all about the economy at the end of the day. So we'll see kind of who blinks first. But there are these nuances now that maybe weren't there before that certainly bring into question where it's going to head. Yeah, Trey, it's, you know, it's a weird time, too. I mean, ever since the pandemic, I mean, if you try to go to a Starbucks or a McDonald's or, or many, many stores, and many everybody's hiring. Stores are closing early. And, you know, right before this, I mean, yeah. South Park had jokes like, you took our jobs and all that kind of stuff. Like, people were very concerned about immigrants or robots or RPA or offshoring and all these jobs that are going to get taken away. Yet now we can't even fill them. So my question to you is, does this make a company like yours even more valuable? And does this also make the uh, the need for automation even more urgent. Yeah, I think it does completely. I mean, if I go to my Starbucks here just down the street, the, only the drive throughs open because they don't have enough people to um, to have the, the inside open or whatever whatever restrictions they have in there. Um, hard to find. Uh, you know, my, my town shuts down at nine o'clock now. We're used to go to eleven or twelve. It seems like from time to time. So I think we're seeing that. And what it's there's a couple things at play. First of all, there's uh, obviously the Great Resignation. People kind of you know testing the waters. There's a lot of mental health issues that people are dealing with from COVID and still kind of coming out of that. I mean, there's probably a lot of those in the shadows that we don't hear about as much, but it's probably impacting employment or just, you know, health in general with life in general. And I think when you, when you look at that as an employer and you deal with the frustration of the time you spend recruiting, and then you, you, you get these resumes and you got to sort through, I mean, the whole process of recruiting has always been time consuming. And now you're going through that process, scheduling interviews and then people don't show. Or halfway through the process, they decide that they're going to go with somebody that maybe gave them a better offer and you're just spinning your wheels starting over. It's a huge headache, a huge time constraint, and it's costly because the people who are doing this are usually people that have a higher salary. 
uh, people in directors and, and C-level positions that are that are that are uh, doing these things. And so companies like ours with with Nearshore, we really take the headache out of hiring and growing their team. We take on the recruiting and and scheduling interviews and onboarding and all those types of things. It's a huge benefit for companies, and automation is just a part of that as well. The more technology that you bring in, the more you can get done with fewer people, and that also creates another gap between skills. Because the more technology you have, the more you need to have people who can manage that technology uh, and work with it. And so I think we're going to continue to see automation and nearshoring continue to grow for the next you know, two to three years, unforeseeable, depending on how the U.S. labor market goes. But there's a lot of factors that are causing a lot of problems for employers trying to find good talent, not only to find it, but also to retain it moving forward. Yeah, and it's a constrainer a little bit on the on the economy, I would imagine. And you, there, you got the cost of not only the recruitment, but once you get them in the door, now you've got to spend all yeah. the money to train these people, and they're very likely to leave. Yeah, at, at this particular right. time, and it's estimated and, that 20, it costs twenty five percent of a, of an annual salary to replace an employee. So if you have an employee that you know is a sixty thousand dollar employee, you're going to spend fifteen thousand or upwards of that to try to replace them. So retention is so critical. It's just very difficult right now. Trey, we got to send you to the wheel of oh, stupid yeah. questions. No, we'd we be remiss not oh, to do so when you every come on the show. Time. Now, Hallie Fazio, <laughs> she was in the comments here. She said, when is the next single coming? And well, he's letting that wheel spin. Um, maybe it'll be on the what oh. a very what the truck Christmas, December 17th. If you want to write a Christmas song for that one or you want to sing a jingle for you us. You know I'm down for that. Haley, especially for you. I'll do that just for you. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> what the truck Christmas special. Now read him the question. All right, man. You're playing, uh, you're playing a hole of golf for your life, and your life is on the line, right? Mm-hmm, Two parts. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, ho- what hole are you going to play, and who are you playing against? Mm. Now, I've got to beat this person to, yeah. to, to you, save my life. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so I'm going to play, um, I'm going to play the par 5 18th hole at Valhalla Country Club okay. in Kentucky. And I'm taking on my man, Chris Jolly, because that guy stinks. He's no good. So I got a really good shot there. So I'm going Valhalla Country Club against Chris Jolly and no no problems. Done yeah. deal. That, yeah, that's right after I beat him in the uh, octagon, though, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, this, guy, this guy doesn't stand a chance between us, Michael. We got No, it. no, I'll take out his backswing. Don't worry about it. Well, hey, Trey, go check out Lean Savvy Solutions. We appreciate your time for coming on the show today. We have to go into break. When we come back, there'll be Great more see you guys. What the Truck coming to you live from F3. So stay tuned. Welcome back to What the Truck here from day two at F3. And you know what? I like yeah. the... The name of this segment, we were sent so much, Canary in the Coal Mine. What are trucking's Canary in the Coal Mine warning signs that I used it as the title of this episode. It's published on demand later, and it's because it came from the brilliant mind of Tom Albrecht. He's the CFO and CRO over at Reliance. Reliance, by the way, you'll see the video tomorrow, everybody, but they had some great hospitality. They let us come over there, film a segment, talk about the multiculturalism and the multiple yeah, languages that they speak right. and how that makes them a great company. And they let us mess around at their ping pong table and see their no spot. I, I was going to say, I want to challenge I want to challenge Tom to some uh, ping pong next time I'm over there, man. Tom, what's your ping pong game like? Uh, a little rusty, but historically pretty good. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> now, you know what? I'm an insurance brat. I grew up in an insurance family. My dad was uh, was in insurance, running cargo insurance growing up. Um, and I was looking at this, and some people may go, how would an insurance company be the canary in the coal mine for the trucking market? Set the table for us. What, what's going on there? What kind of insights do you guys have? Well, so my career was really spent in and around the world of trucking. So I've only been in the world of insurance about a year and a half. And part of my role as uh, the chief revenue officer is to continue to be an industry liaison. And so I'm frequently asked about what I'm looking at. 
And I think it's always healthy to just step back and say, okay, there are certain obvious indicators that are watched heavily, if not overcovered, such as, uh, let's say, the spot market, uh, and that's very great, uh, or GDP or the Purchasing Managers Index. But, you know, over the last few years, I've challenged myself to try to find uh, a few canary in the coal mines that would indicate you know, maybe trucking is plateauing or maybe even getting ready to enter a more difficult period. Right now, things are great, but those four uh, items are uh, used equipment prices within the trucking arena, uh, trailer on flat car intermodal statistics, which is only 6% of intermodal. Uh, and it may be sort of an odd one for people to think about, but it's the ultimate uh, repositioning um, uh, movement in the world of. Uh, uh, freight, um, air cargo volumes would be the other one. And then the ISM customer inventories index, which doesn't get the same coverage as some of their other inventory data. So I feel really excited about, you know, sharing uh, that monitor things. And, and frankly, they've been really good predictors in some of the last uh, downturns. So Tom, let's talk about those. Are, are they all to the positive or let's go by, through them individually? What, what am I looking at if I'm looking at the uh, trailer on flat car movements? Why, why is this one here relevant? Well, because the core of intermodal uh, is really containers, whether it's domestic containers or international. And uh, TOFC has been uh, shrinking since 1988. You know, the old piggyback, that's what TOFC, trailer on flat car, is. So right. the only times, though, it has grown are in periods where we've had tight capacity, like 1994, uh, 1999, early 2000, 2004, 2005, 2014, 2018. And guess what? Uh, at the end of 18, it turned negative. At the end of 14, it turned negative. Just referring to the last couple of cycles, uh, mm -hmm. it was negative in the third quarter, but so was domestic containers. Excuse, yeah, domestic containers. You know, the whole railroad system seemed to have molasses poured on the rail tracks. But uh, we monitor that because it is the. There's no reason to ship uh, TOFC or piggyback. The only time it's really used is when. Um, trailer pool, pools need to be built elsewhere. You know, a carrier may have their equipment in Indiana, but a customer needs 20 more trailers in New Jersey. So you may send it via rail. It's a repositioning type of movement. And so the minute that carriers don't need to reposition um, or it doesn't pay to do so, then that will turn uh, negative uh, immediately. So uh, I've, I found it's a fantastic harbinger of where the freight market is. Now, tell me about used truck prices. What's going on there? Because when you think about used truck prices, that's kind of the, the prices, that's the biggest barrier of entry to new owner operators, yeah, right? Absolutely. Most new owner operators aren't going out and leasing a, a brand yeah. new truck unless they're leasing on with somebody. So they go to the used market. But I'm hearing that it's been very difficult. It's been a tough and challenging market. And even some of those used trucks are being cannibalized for parts. So what's going on there? What are we seeing? Oh, we're still seeing record uh, amounts of sales, record pricing. It depends on the monthly data, but pricing and transactions, well, from a pricing perspective on a year-over-year -year basis, they're up anywhere from 20 to 40% year-over-year uh, and, you know, from 10 to 25% from a volume perspective. The volumes have slowed a little bit because we've ran through a lot of pretty good used equipment, but I mean, the prices are crazy, whether it's tractors or trailers, uh, but again, it has been very interesting to watch this over the years. Let's go back to the 
14, 15 cycle, early 15, everybody's sky high after 2014. Uh, used equipment prices and used equipment volume sales turned negative in July, which happened to be the beginning of, you know, about a 20-month freight slump. Uh, used prices uh, were negative for, I think, 14 of the next 15 months. So it is as, almost as fluid as the spot market is in terms of reflecting uh, real-time changes in fundamentals for the better or for the worse. I mean, they, it happens very fast. It does. And it happens from two perspectives. People trying to get into the market with greater demand for those used, you know, new owner operators, people coming in uh, and small fleets, but also the bigger fleets buying new and keeping the old to increase their capacity as much as they can during a, during a high market, right? Like, like right now. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, just in the interest of time, uh, you know, air cargo. So in the most recent month, uh, Air cargo volumes globally were up 9.1% in September versus September of 19. And they were up, you know, 15 plus percent versus a year ago. But why is that significant? Historically, that figure grows four to 5%. It's been well above that all year. Um, it's up because there's not enough containers, not enough ocean uh, ships. So uh, it makes sense that air cargo is up. But once that begins to renormalize, you'll know the market is either plateauing or maybe beginning to come down a bit. Uh, so again, I think it's a great canary in the coal mine. Um, so I, I think you just have to think outside the box a little bit for indicators uh, beyond what everyone reports on practically every day. What are the net positive endorsements? Net positive endorsements. So that's a Reliance Partners uh, proprietary piece of data. We have the largest market share for uh, fleets with one to 20 trucks. And of course, we'll do any size in the country and we have a lot of large fleets, but uh, we see some interesting data. And so what it is, is let's say an insurance policy was bound and renewed on March 1st. Uh, throughout the next year, uh, that fleet may be adding uh, capacity, adding trucks, so it has to be turned in every month, and it's reflected in the insurance policy. In the latest month, September, um, net endorsements as a percentage of our overall premiums were about 10%. And we have seen that positive every month since May of 2020. What does all that mean? It means capacity has been growing. And, you know, been listening to the conference throughout today, and there's sort of this consensus view that the issues are going to continue in the next year unabated. I'm not really in that camp. I think we start the year very strong, but I think there's too much of a consensus view that uh, this year is going to be replicated next year. I don't see that necessarily at all. I think demand is very vulnerable in the economy, and um, I think truckers would be uh, wise to not be so complacent the way they took the last couple of cycles for granted. It turned south on them before they even knew what happened. Well, Tom, I can't wait to show off our visit to your location on tomorrow's What the Truck at F3 yeah. from day three. But thank you so much for filling us in on these indicators. And I think you may have opened some uh, some people's eyes to to different metrics to look at and, and things that are, are, are very oh, yeah. important, uh, bellwethers and canaries in the coal mine. No, can, no birds were hurt in the making of this. Thank you so much, Tom. Go check out Reliance Thanks for Partners. Me on. We appreciate right, it. Take care, guys. By Thanks, the way, before Tom. we jump to our next guest, a few shout outs to the comments over here. 
First oh. of all, we have William Jew, William Jones, who said thanks to the dude for the interview yesterday. We appreciate of that, course. guys. Um, Hallie Fazio says, you heard it here first. Christmas single dropping per request. I'll be waiting. Trey. Trey says he's on top of it. Um, <laughs> Joseph Parascando says, do not talk about Chris Jolly like that. Um, <laughs> Mike Lehman says, ArcBest is very much focused on the customer relationship. Mitch Hickson says, hey, what the truck dynamic do. Hey to you, Mitch Hickson. Hey, uh, Mitch Hickson. Macy Connect, she says, so much energy in this podcast. Well, thank you. And Joseph Solo says, woohoo, what the truck? Cowbell, baby. Here's a little cowbell for you, baby. Thanks for tuning in. Was he calling the trucks? Thanks to all you. Was he calling? Oh, calling Call the M. Yeah. Call, uh, Instead of the pigs. Like hey, you know that our next guest went to a school, right? University of he Warwick. That is a three-time UK eSports University of the Year. Pretty Not only amazing. three times. Back to back to back. Three Pete, like Phil Three Jackson. Three Pete, man. Three Phil. Three. It's, it's Anel Ikahani, director of product digital vehicle <laughs> solutions at Daimler. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tim. Great to be here. Do you play any <laughs> esports yourself? Do I play esports? Well, yeah. I love video games. If that counts. <laughs> oh, beautiful. That's how I broke my ankle. Beautiful. Playing well, esports. <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're kind of... very dangerous. <laughs> now, you're not playing racing games, but you are dealing with, with, with trucks and cars and, and the digital aspect of them. Tell us a little bit about the digital vehicle solutions. What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in, an, in a simplistic way, what it means is trucks of today, uh, they are heavily connected. They, you know, while they're on the road, uh, they are sending a lot of data back to us. So what we do is we look at all of that data and we try to extract insights and provide value to our customers. So we create digital solutions around that data. And this data could be anywhere from vehicle health, telling you about how the truck is performing, to safety, uh, to anything else like the location of the truck. You know, that itself uh, by in itself could be uh, valuable to some service provider, uh, to our fleets. So that's, uh, we build a lot of services so Anil, you, you you guys customize this for those for those customers, and you you said you provide solutions around that data. Can we get into that a little bit? What are those customized uh, type of solutions? Yeah. So, well, that is there are two categories. One is uh, we have generic solutions that almost all customers would benefit from, and we provide that through our own uh, what we call Detroit Connect portal. So uh, when a when a customer purchases one of our uh, heavy duty trucks, they get access to the portal. And they can come there and in real time, they can look at how their truck is performing, right? So we have uh, a vehicle health category where we tell you if something is wrong with the truck, we also tell you what is wrong, what service alerts need to be taken and how critical uh, that fault might be. And then we also give you uh, information about the safety of the truck. You know, if your driver has a hard braking event, you would, if you choose to, uh, get an alert, uh, you know, on via email that tells you something happened with the truck. And then depending on if the truck is equipped uh, with a video camera, we also give you a video feed of what happened. So those are all your uh, services in the first category, which everybody can get access to. Beyond that, talking about the customizable services, here in we give access to data about the truck, and uh, the fleets are then able to take that data and use it for their specific custom business operation needs. I mean, uptime is is so important. It becomes harder and harder in a market like this where the ripples through the links of the supply chain have gotten so deep, right? And so pervasive. That's not just microchips, right? Or, or the semiconductors that are hard to put into the new trucks. But if you have an existing truck, I keep hearing from drivers all the time, friends, a lot of drivers online and in real life, and they keep telling me, 
it's a nightmare when a truck goes down because Ooh. they'll get reports that parts are not going to come in yeah. for three, six months. That can be death to sure. a small business owner. So I got to imagine the value of diagnostics, right? And preventive maintenance is more valuable than ever. Absolutely. Spot on, um, Tim. In fact, I think there are various studies done. In average, every time a truck goes down, it costs the fleet anywhere between 700 to as much as $1,000 per day. And that's just the, the cost of the truck going down, not including the cost of the repair itself, right? That, that's additional. And uh, what we do with our services, one of the beauty of this is, you know, things like uh, traditionally that needed physical access to the truck, for example, updating some software on the truck or updating simple things like engine parameters, we can do that over the air uh, through this portal that I was talking about. So that obviously helps in the uptime, uh, keeping that as high as possible. So our goal, you know, we have this big audacious goal here that we work towards is zero unplanned downtime. So as much as we can avoid that and give the customer the information so they can plan when they need to bring their truck in and also when they bring in, optimize that visit and get as much done as possible. So Anil, zero down, unplanned downtime sounds like a great thing to me and it sounds like a very hard thing to aspire to, although we all should, uh, not just with trucks, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, but you can't do this in a vacuum, right? Can you talk about some of those partnerships that you guys have that bring this technology to everybody and make it accessible to all the fleets? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, there is various levels of partnerships, right? On the, on the back end, we, we have our own internal database. We have a lot of that information, but we also need to partner with the fleets themselves just to understand, uh, for example, what is the repair history of the truck, right? What maintenance schedules the truck has gone through. Now, obviously, if the truck goes to, uh, to a dealer where we are working with them, we have that information, but beyond that with the fleets. But outside on the fleet management side, we also work with a lot of third-party application providers. And you know, we, we understand that as an OEM, we although we may have a lot of resources and knowledge, we are we are not gonna build the entire solution ourselves. This is where we partner with with fleets. You know, we uh, you know, just yesterday, you guys probably are aware, we had a announcement about our partnership with Platform Science, which right. is an open platform approach. And through Platform Science, we are now able to tap into the uh, the bigger ecosystem of other fleet management providers. Simple example would be, you know, just on the road, uh, you know, uh, there is uh, the way station, right? The, our, our, you know, fleets have to go through on the highway, get their truck weighed, but there is also uh, services out there that allow you to bypass those way stations. And, uh, you know, that's one example of a service that our fleets could benefit from through this partnership with Platform Science, because that one of the uh, way station fleet uh, application providers is already on that uh, ecosystem. Um, so that's just one example. And there are several others like that. You know, human beings, we're really good, be it, be it our own bodies or our own vehicles. We're good at being reactive, but not so great at being proactive. Now, your solutions help people be proactive, right? How do you make sure that they action that data, though? Everyone knows in software, you know, if you don't get people to actually use the data, they don't see the value, they don't renew, and that's, that's a big challenge. The renewals sure. are really what tell you the full value. So how do you get them to go to the doctor and eat that apple a day and fix that truck? Yeah, no, it's a fantastic question, and we completely acknowledge that. So that is the other side of that Detroit Connect portal. Um, so the one the one side is obviously the fleet facing side, right? We give the fleets the insights and the alerts, and we really hope they do it. But the other side is there is also a backdoor into this portal that is designed specifically for dealers, and uh, this is what we call the virtual technician. So the dealers, when the dealers get this information, obviously they are monetarily monetized as well. 
uh, or motivated to do this. So we are, we have not only the fleets getting this information, the dealers are getting this, and they're able to then proactively set up those schedules because a lot of the big fleets, you know, um, have a very close relationship with the dealerships. Beyond that, in the future, you know, obviously we are looking at other ways that we can uh, employ technology even further and even start doing predictive maintenance, right? Prognostics, try to predict a failure before it happens. So that's an exciting area that we're working on. Very, very cool. Hey, thank you for sharing all that with us today. We appreciate you coming on the show. Take Absolutely. care and have a great thank Wednesday. Wednesday. Have a great here. Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, Take thank care, you. sir. Thanks for having me. Enjoy those games. Hey, so how many Christmas trees are you buying this year? Are you have you already panicked? Bought already a few got, of your own. I, got, I bought three uh, for myself, and I've got five uh, that I hoarded. Yeah, for like family members. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm going to pick up a couple cases of eggs for Easter eggs. I'm going to start hoarding Easter. Now, eggs is today. a Christmas tree a good Christmas gift, or is it a better like Thanksgiving gift? This year it's going to be a great gift. Just a Christmas, like yeah, if you don't have going to get a man. Panic buying's going you on. Just bro. show up with the tree. I'm going to I'm going to randomly bless people up and down. I the saw a guy with a Yugo. He had like 36 <laughs> trees on top of there, just strapped out with a bicycle thing. Hey, <laughs> nice. stay tuned. If this show wasn't rapid fire enough for you, well, we got some rapid fire demos that are going to. Come ramming down your eardrums and eyeballs. Stay tuned for that. We got Fireside Chat, the evolution of supply chain with Scott Lang, CEO of Turbo, with our own Craig Fuller, CEO and founder of this little joint we call Freight Waves. We hope you're all enjoying F3. We're right around halftime now. We'll be back tomorrow with more What the Truck. And stay tuned to the end of the show. You might have won something. Tell them how to be. Hey, peace and love, everybody. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>